Welcome to She Blaze, where we're bringing you cannabis culture from a woman's point of view. And as always, here to elevate the cannabis industry. I'm one of your hosts, Ice Dawson, cannabis socialite. She and I am Dashita Dawson, the weed head. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. On today's episode of She Blaze, the world may be mourning one of the oldest colonizers, but cannabis news is still hot. Oklahoma court hit pause on its ballots. Illinois' cannabis money looks funny. And as legalization continues, we see the aftermath of launching a premature market. Wow. Well, you started with a little bit of shade and we're going to uh, bring it to a little bit of sun and a little bit of God. So let's start with my high of the week. Yes. I am super excited to be repping Gift of Doja or God. Um, I am uh, wearing a reflective Valero jacket with a stoner stash, y'all. Like it literally has it um, in the corner here uh, just for me to be able to pull out my little pipe and any other things that I need. It's a $63 um, Valero, but more importantly, is founded by a woman of color, Nina Parks, who's also one of the co-founders of the Cannabis Regulators of Color Coalition. You can get this along with a whole bunch of other really cute swag from Gift of Doja at giftofdoja.com. Shout out to Nina because the brand is hot. Got good flower too. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I love hearing that because I'm all about the weeds, honey, and it's very cute and it's perfect for fall. It is. <laughs> it's giving Friday night football. And very reflective. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm like in a uh, P. Diddy video from uh, back in the day too. Well, you got to the show just going. Hey, hey. <laughs> well, so let's get into my high of the week. You know, it's September. I like to think about it like self-care timber. Okay. And so I'm going to talk about one of the many things that I love to do in self-care and that is to do like face masks. And okay. so I have to give a huge shout out to Tribe Beauty, Tribe Tokes. They have like some amazing face masks. I promise you guys, it does actually have CBD in its products. So let's start there first. It mm -hmm. is 200 milligrams of CBD because we know that a lot of cannabis products don't always have what is in it. Mm -hmm. So it does have real CBD and it also has all the things that are good for your skin. The pumpkin, pumpkin peel is my favorite because it really, really just detoxes my whole face. And then you have the superfood mask and that one's clean, green. I like to use that in the morning before I do my makeup. Okay. And that will start at $15 to $60, depending on the size you want it. And they have a whole face care regimen that I'll be introducing more throughout the season. So check out Tribe Beauty Tribe Totes face mask. Okay, yeah. And you know what? I have to, of course, uh, uh, say that I have tried it as well. I love anything that's going to be skincare with cannabinoids infused, not just CBD, but cannabinoids in general. Yeah. It definitely is um, very good at balancing inflammation. I've had some really bad flare-ups for my skin. So shout out to Tribe Tokes. All right. I mean, I know I, I, I was excited to talk about our brands that we love because that is always a good place to start. But ooh, ooh, we girl, when you <laughs> said everybody's more than a colonizer, but <laughs> the news of cannabis this is still real and on top. I thought to myself, you are absolutely right because it has been like my newsfeed is like 
like got both a little bit. Yeah. And of course you would find the tea on both combined. <laughs> okay. So let's get into hot topic number one. You already know. So um as a millennial, they was like, child, the queen died, the queen died. I didn't know what queen they was talking about. You know, they was like the queen of England. We said Adele. And then they was like the other woman. I was like, well, Jason Lee from Hollywood Unlock allegedly killed her in March. So I didn't know she was still alive already. So I was quite, quite confused. But yes, child, they have buried the queen in Britain. Oh, my goodness. Um, I... Here's the thing. I have an obsession about the monarchy in general, but meaning more so history obsession, mostly because we do know when you said the biggest colonizers are like that Britain had, there are not that many countries that Britain hasn't invaded and colonized. And this woman was the longest running monarchy. So I, of course, immediately thought to myself that it's sad someone passed generally. She was old. She had a very, very long life. So I wasn't like, yeah, that's bad either. But then also you think about all the countries that have been abused over the years, especially black and brown ones from this colonization. So it's like, it's probably good that young people don't know who she is because what has she done in the last 30, 40 years? I don't know, but I know Bermuda know what they doing. Um, so how this ties into cannabis, you guys? Well, while they are going through this tragedy, they are still just raining havoc on people's lives. So Bermuda's governor basically announced this week during this time that the United Kingdom blocked their bid to legalize cannabis in their country. Now, you know, this is the overstate territory. Bermuda is in the West Indies, yes, Caribbean. Caribbean. Help me out, geography. But um, <laughs> yes, so they are trying to get, you already know that tourist coin. Mm -hmm. And so they had a real bill that they passed through their different departments. And basically they was like, yeah, the um, majesty was like this is unconstitutional and that you know it is not an asset to part uh to to their government mm -hmm. um and you know it took a long time for their bill to even get there the history of the bill is that you know it's been going a few times and recently this year march uh they barely passed because of the controversy around it because they had they had local grow and selling mm -hmm. um but it still was approved 18 to 6. it didn't pass the senate of there but it still goes through in their I don't know their government system way, it still was able to make its way to the United Kingdom. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, because when you're ruled by the United Kingdom at the end of the day, you still have to, um, you know, it's like a big company has a U.S. Uh, base is where it's from, but you open a, a satellite somewhere overseas, you still are responsible to the base. And for a lot of colonized com uh, countries, Britain was the base. So you're basically saying Great Britain, after all the work that the Bermuda uh, Bermudas did to get legalization even in a real way discussed, they shot it down. It's almost like you now know like the pole has or the, the the barrier has moved itself because not just about what's happening within the country it's people miles and miles away able to be like it's not good for you right i thought when people die you're supposed to get like one wish or something oh wait that's a wedding on the godfather i'm sorry y'all oh right. mixing my movies mixing, <laughs> but i'm like <laughs> listen i don't know what's about to happen one, one thing we do know though uh who are people who are historians of the monarchy is that in the early, 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 like, part of, uh, you know, 
her reign, there probably was more value in the monarchy, but over time, really all it is is symbolic. There's no real uh, power there. So it actually was their probably parliament that made that decision and not the queen herself. But the queen had always had that ability to be able to say, I don't agree and cause drama if she wanted, because she was beloved, and she never did. Even in cases where I think, based on the little bi biopics that they're doing on Netflix, but in cases that she actually believed uh, or aligned with maybe the more right thing to do, she didn't stand up. She was scared. And that, to me, is what is like, is this really a hero? Um, but people were like, well, she didn't really have power. She could have. She, but she, I mean, that might have meant uh, splitting up England in a way that maybe she didn't want to. I, well, I know she may not have the power, but she got the coin, honey. She got y'all coin. Yep. And y'all ain't even got no cannabis coin. And, um, you know, for y'all other countries that are trying to move forward with this side of the hemisphere, because we understand, you know, the United Kingdom really got some sketchy cannabis laws anyway. Yep. Uh, this side of the hemisphere is trying to move forward with the rest of the countries like Mexico, Canada, America, right. and <laughs> you're blocking it. So, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I just don't have time for it. And, you know, even though people are mourning in this area, y'all can do the right things now. Come on. Y'all ain't got to block them people cannabis. Yeah, I actually think that I hope this is a transition to start, you know, releasing. But I think, you know, for a lot of people, this is the only for Britain. This is the way they are a true, quote unquote, global power. And, you know. Well, Bermuda but. did do a little something. They have allowed possession um, up to seven grams. So, you know, you get you a little quarter, honey, and you can have a quarter on you and you be all right because, you know, they still want you to come on vacation and they know you want to smoke on the uh, beach. Okay. So they've done some decriminalization. Yes, but, but they it's... want real, they want people to be able to grow. They want to be able to sell. They want to make it a tourist hub. And why not? If you could do it before Jamaica, if you could do it before Cuba, if you could do it before all the other different countries, Aruba, these type of countries, you're putting yourself as the cannabis tourist hub. You're absolutely doing that. And I think they're smart. And there is a race because right now, as we speak in Jamaica, we have a very big and multi-year conference called CanX happening. Yes. And to me, it's like, it, you, you would think Jamaica was further along with how many conferences. They're not. And so Bermuda still has some viability here. You would think Jamaica was further along. You also would think Jamaica would ask one of them brothers up in the mountains to teach people <laughs> how to grow weed, but they asked the people from Colorado. But that's a whole different thing. That is a very different thing. So topic. let me just go on oh to Hot Topic too, because I, I just, I guess the reads is just coming out, Jack. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and with the reads coming out, we have to read what's in the notes of Illinois. Mm. Um, people are saying all these things, but we actually don't know what's happening. No, I mean, so Illinois is in a, a little bit of a hypocritical uh, financial situation that you like to say the money look funny. Yes. The money really do look funny. So let's talk about it. Um, we just found out because they have regular uh, reports on the sales, the top line sales for the industry in Illinois. And through August, it just eclipsed $1 billion. $1 billion of retail sales, people going in the dispensaries and buying. 
I yes. have a question. Mm -hmm. Does this include the price of the taxes that they put? So if we go in and buy, you know, at the end of the receipt, we got the taxes that we got to pay. Does this one billion include those taxes? I don't believe it does. And I'll be honest, I'm always good to go back and check and thank God for the cannabis regulators, the color coalition, because I'm like, let me find out from the deputy uh, 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 cannabis regulatory oversight officer. I will definitely double check, but here's my take based on the experiences that I've had so far. When they're talking about the total sales, they're getting it from a seed to sale um, technology that tracks what's going out the door at the retail level and not so much going the tracking down the chain. Um, what's happening at the retail level is also taxed. When we give the total sales of just the industry, they're not necessarily, they're not talking about the tax, they're talking about what the cost of the product was going out the door. Right. And in Illinois, you already know it's like 30 something percent or whatever, um, some crazy number. So you may go in, you might have spent only $100 on it and you left with a $150 bill. And so that $50 or that tax dollars, right. when we talk about how much Illinois has earned as a state in tax revenue, we're talking about that money. Mm -hmm. And that money, because Illinois did have a fairly progressive bill, um, uh, shout out to Toy Hutchison who helped do a lot of that work, that bill included a 3R reinvestment strategy in the community. And so Illinois is actually taking that bit of tax money and giving it back to the communities. 30% in their law must go back in a very strategic way. And it actually has been tens of millions of dollars. We don't hear that story much. Um, to who and what, we don't have a report yet. And that's why we're also like, it kind of looked funny because now even though we're talking about a billion dollars and we're talking about a lot of tax revenue that might be going into communities of color, mm -hmm. communities that have been most harmed from cannabis, prohibition in Illinois, we're also seeing a lot of people talking about the social equity program ain't. It's like on its last legs, honey. Well, the social equity program might be on its last leg, but I just want to get into who's buying this week. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I don't... I like your market, but you know, if I've been using the market before the market legalized, then am I really buying your market? Right. And so they're saying that two thirds of the revenue is coming from people that are based in Illinois. Mm -hmm. That is pretty hard to believe with how much they pay in taxes. Do I wonder if they pay a lower percentage in taxes? I don't believe that there are those benefits, but I believe that there probably are, you know, it was a cannabis uh, medical program first in place. This is not including necessarily that it's just adult use, but I still believe that the core of every adult use market is the medical market. And Illinois was pretty large. These are the people, I am part of that population that is willing to try and buy because you already know that it works for you. And then, yeah, so I do believe that when we look at the two thirds, we're probably, I'd love to know how many of those already have a medical card. Um, mm, well, uh, Illinois, thank you for the report, but we need some more numbers and figures. We need more numbers, um, but that's like every, literally every jurisdiction. I mean, people could come from me from Portland, but I've been the, the displaying what I have. Um, and you do it as fast as you can. And when you are a government entity, you can't, I mean, you can't, but you really prefer if you actually put out a report that has some accurate information and not be like, well, what he, we had said was wrong and we want to change it. No, I don't want to do that. And so I can understand the hesitancy there, but I'm also looking at the numbers and then saying, but Illinois still hasn't actually launched a social equity program yet. 
Right. You know, Illinois is still um, not quite equitable. It's still just big companies making money there. Right. With they big nasty weeds. So why are they saying that they're equity program is on collapse well they didn't they didn't they just get a whole bunch of new licenses aren't y'all supposed to be up and running we supposed to be getting some ribbon cuttings or something you are hilarious but for a lot of people like that's not happening um you know we've talked about what this conditional license state means and that's a lot of what's been happening you get these conditional licenses out or even in the case of illinois even if there are licenses you don't have your build out yet you're you're still pre-actual like um, company development, unlike California, where the conditional licenses, a lot of people can, you can get into business, you can start selling, you just aren't selling with a full license. And we yeah. saw those issues. So I think really uh, what we're seeing is people still struggling to get the financing they need to get up and running. Um, and the market has remained still not equitable and not integrating legacy and not even of these 180 something that just recently got um, announced. First of all, they apply way long ago, since 2019. And so you're already like looking at, they may be not even in business anymore. Um, lawsuits abound. We saw that in New Jersey, uh, some of the licenses. Companies don't last that long in the industry, for real, for real. The big ones do because they have money that they can burn right yeah and that's really what happens with these licenses sometimes and even as is the conditional license how many conditional temporary license that did not get up and running and now they're selling it off to a big mso yeah. mso don't even know it got it as a license you know it got it in a roundup child yes. and illinois <laughs> will be more likely to see those type of effects because illinois is one of those big name markets yes. you know michigan we we hear little rumblings but you don't hear it as much because Illinois, uh, Illinois has more of a tourist, international tourism versus like Michigan. Americans like to, or they are yeah. in Michigan. Yeah. But also, Illinois wasn't adult. I mean, medical for that long before mm -hmm. it became adult use. It was long enough, um, but it, yeah, it was still um, until I could get a suppository market's not up it wasn't enough. mature enough so mm -hmm. here's the thing um i think maturity and we're going to talk about that in our main topic but i think maturity of the market is critical for us to define and where it was but it was technically a medical market from i think it was like 2011 correct me if i'm wrong it might have been uh 2014 but the fact of the matter because new york came online 2014 was a bed of uh states they didn't have a Arizona medical market. No, they had know. a hemp remix bill. And that's where it wasn't mature enough. You know, it's like squeeze the avocado before you cut it. Okay. It's like, how y'all have a go use program and you telling me you don't even got no THC loop? Like, like what? Like, yeah, <laughs> it means that they're not paying attention to the product diversity. They're assuming a lot of basic science still, all of the things that we talk about. And, um, you know, they're moving along. Big companies also really don't understand consumer behavior, nor are they willing to try to figure it out either, mm -hmm. especially black and brown consumer behavior. And in order to understand that, you got to understand our relationship with the uh, criminalization of cannabis. Mm -hmm. I still don't like to smell like weed, even though I smell like weed all the time. I've learned to love it. 
I have found um, terpene rich uh, uh, perfumes and sprays that work well with it. But sometimes I have to be still like, whoa, who smells like that? It's me. It's my bag. It's you. And, you know, and you get in the markets like a Tennessee and I'm just going to visit a friend and I don't have anything on me and I still smell like that because that bag was used for weeks and weeks and weeks. It is still a fear. And until we accept it and deal with it accountability wise from the private and the public sector, this ish will not work. Um, It doesn't work right now, you know, according to their social equity program to the point I, I so like some of these people be like, listen, stop calling me social equity because my shit not even on. Okay? Well, that's actually a real uh, like campaign right now. People are really wanting to get away with the word. And as a pioneer of a lot of words, lexicon changes in the cannabis space. I say we got to hold steadfast to certain things because we can't let people come in and take our shit. And by shit, I mean co-opting the language that we are trying to use to explain who we want to be in the market, who we want to um, uh, help repair from the market's proceeds. And I think we just have to keep trying. But everybody, whether it's MWBE, every single designation we have ever had in America that is intended to prioritize getting those who have been historically excluded into it, the people who are the majority who are already included have always tried to figure out how they can now be included. That's just what we're up against. So we cannot, you know, um, we can't back down. And so when people are in situations, especially people of color, where I hate the word social equity. I get you, sis. I get you, bro. But the reality is I can't hate it when I'm in government. I have to define it, define it again and define it again. And I need a chorus of people doing it, too. And I think that's where we're struggling We've defined something and we almost put a scarlet letter on people for the uh, people who want to invest. You hear social equity, you think, oh, you're only going to be able to grow it up to this point. You're only going to be able to do up to that point. That is not equity. That is not social equity. That is a program that is similar to affirmative action. And we know that did not work. It got also... um, turned around into something that was more for white women than really people of color, right? It's just, we have to be very clear that we're in a, a puzzle. Yes. Here and right. I'm not, period. I'm, you know, I'm not saying I don't dislike social equity. I do think we need the terminology. I'm just saying stop calling me a social equity license when my license can't get up. I agree with you. <laughs> and I think we definitely need to stop um, setting up these licenses with these special names ones because they get co-opted. You know, in New York, we got lawyers who are literally trying to charge people fifty, sixty thousand dollars to do a card license application, which by the way, is not that difficult. Right. It's it not is that difficult. Like a couple pages. It's not that difficult. And so would you pay fifty or sixty thousand dollars to fill out your social security card application replacement? Would you pay that amount of money to fill out a DMB you know, uh, ID replacement, would you, you still, anything really, I, I don't know. I, I think, yes, you are doing something that's big business. Yes, it's an important thing, but there is no other industry where people are trying to do that. And so that's the predatory feel of language that we have to push back against. Okay. Yeah. Well, we got our eyes on you, Illinois, honey. Yes, Cause y'all saying y'all making coin, but uh, the people is not saying that. So the money's funny, but Let's get into hot topic number three, Mm -hmm. because I think this is a great example of what happens when you know you got a good market and you need more time to develop it into a great market. So Oklahoma, 
we know to this year is a election year for a lot of states, a lot of midterms, a lot of this, a lot of that. Y'all already know she blazes coming with that ballot initiative mm-hmm. episode. Yes, we have done it many times and we love to do predictions and we love to say what state is coming online, not coming online. Uh, and we can maybe even compare to our last time we had a big election and what states are online, up and coming and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. Definitely excited to talk about so far five states on the ballot for legalization. Do we like it? Do we not? So more to come on that. But as we talk about this hot topic number three, Oklahoma said, Mm-mm, honey, you may not want to include me in them five states. And they're not. So Oklahoma for sensible marijuana submitted many signatures to qualify for their ballot measure last month. Right. And uh, it also, they have to accept the language and the title in the draft by the secretary, uh, by the state attorneys general um, before the secretary of state certifies the signatures. Mm-hmm. So there's like, you know, a whole like long government process in order to even get it on the ballot. Well, child, <laughs> they tried to tell them that they did not make the cutoff deadline. Mm-hmm. They tried to technical. tell. Mm-hmm, they tried to tell them that they need to come back and do it and revise it. Well, Oklahoma's activist was like, "Uh-uh, try it again," and they did, and they went into court. And so, Oklahoma's Supreme Court is deciding to delay its decision on whether it should go on the ballot, whether the signatures should be accepted, and if you know somebody moved, they see a little pitter patter slip. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, And the reason why it's so specific on the deadlines of the ballots is because people remember, they have to print up your ballots. Mm -hmm. They have to make sure it is the right question. Uh, There has to be a specific title. Like it is some intricacies that go into these ballot initiatives. And sometimes when you wait to the last moment. but And they use it as strategy. The ops do. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. They use these technical intricacies of strategy because they assume, and they usually are right, that the people who are bringing together the ballot initiative do not know. And um, they have been notorious for this. They meaning government. It's a sad thing. I don't know. Sometimes it makes me feel like, like, am I wearing my government jacket today or am I sheet for the people? And the sheet for the people is like, yo, y'all don't even understand the extent to which the government uses its own technical things to prevent the people. From really owning government. Um, this is an example. Absolutely, because uh with the certain steps that you have to take to make the go from campaign to ballot, yep. you have to have a minimum of a 10-day period for people to challenge the text, challenge the title, and by people they mean state officials. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that you know. This has to happen, like between the deadline, the state attorneys general, and the actual uh, secretary of state, because it's two different parts of state that have to go into this ballot initiative in this specific state. Mm-hmm. Well, child, the T is that they heard hired a new third party to certify signatures and that they were very, very, very slow Mm. on announcing it and allowing the 10 day gap to happen so they could, um, you know, miss the deadline for the print off because they literally are printing off ballots like we're in the 1950s, but that's a whole different topic. 
that's actually a very, very, very accurate like a testament of the time period because I do feel like we have moved to the point where it should be digital, but we have so much worry about the integrity of our digital information, how many times we've been hacked. It's like, I only want to do it, right? Um, but that means I also have to deal with humans who are hackable and they are, you know, counting backwards and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> they hackable and they will dress up as in costume right <laughs> as the wrong like literally as like the wrong job say they have this job yep. and take you to your house yes i mean i i think it's scary to hear how easily astray these efforts can be you know be uh in terms of getting derailed um i'm also you know like you said earlier, I'm not upset by it. I understand that people want adult use, but we still have a lot of black and brown people getting arrested. They never handled their incriminalization part and right. their enforcement part. Oklahoma is um, a lot of licenses and they didn't also handle how do they confirm who is who and what and what. And because they don't have a lot of integrity in that process or enough, um, and they didn't put a barrier on law enforcement, law enforcement was like, oh, they don't know. So we're going to keep going after people right. who are, and, and, and black and brown people are primary black indigenous um, and Latinx people are the people they're going after in Oklahoma. It is right. very lopsided right now. It's a scary market if you're a person of color. In my okay. opinion. And I would say Oklahoma, believe it or not, is one of the melted pot states. Yes. Where there are many black people, many Latin people, many indigenous yeah, people, and many white people. Yes. Yeah. So I would say Oklahoma is one of the rare states in America that actually looks up with, when you think about America and its diversity, actually looks like America and its diversity. In the in the broader sense mm -hmm. of uh, you know population. They, they, yes, they probably could do better with the Asian population. I ain't seen too many of that in Oklahoma, to be honest. I mean, but, it's in the middle of the dang country. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Compared to like a New York. York, um, there is a lot less Asian, um, East East Asian, um, Southeast Asian. You're not going to necessarily see that in Oklahoma, but I do agree. In the case of Black, Indigenous, and Latinx, like I was trying to use a location as a pilot location, Oklahoma would be a great one. Also, because hemp literally cannabis grows out of the sidewalk, and so it is uh, something that I feel like, and it's an easy market to get into, but the easy to get into with the wayward enforcement just leads us, people of color, down a path where you think you're doing something all with the state, but the state has not provided any protections for you because they don't have any integrity in how they're licensing people. It's sort of like we we swung the pendulum too far. I do think the price should stay the same. I think they shouldn't have caps, but they basically said, if you could fill out a form you were being accepted. Um, even a driver's license requires you to, you know, prove you got some competency. And so it's still, you know, uh, too far on the pendulum swing, if you ask me. I definitely agree. But I just think for them, it just wanted to give easier access into getting into people's house, like knock, knock, walk in. You you're know right, because your number and your information is all now in a system. That's absolutely true. When you set up that easy of a way that people to get set up and you don't also handle and check your law enforcement, like New York, as soon as they legalized the next day or the next day after that, maybe April 2nd, the police like issue here's what we can't do no more and that was arrest people on the basis of smell so it was because of the law it like literally put it in that place that oklahoma's law did not do that it kind of still was like y'all keep arresting black folks if you want to right um they smell like weed go ahead and do that too 
Um, but it was a setup, y'all. It's set up to set you up, honey. Yeah, it's, and it's sad, the legalization <laughs> question, we haven't gotten all the way through it, but it's just a question. It actually has nothing to do with any of the criminalization that has happened within Oklahoma. Um, and so right now it is a huge pause happening in Oklahoma because the justices of the court are like, listen, we just need a moment to like get this together. We need to read through the text, read through the, the title, read through the deadlines and who this third party is. Cause they don't know them people, child. <laughs> and so before they can make a reaction. So everyone is just like, you know, breathing a little, like a little, like holding their breaths, waiting. I know the advocates definitely the setup of the state officials. Okay. They are holding their, uh, their breaths and we're waiting to hear more because this will determine whether that question ends up on the ballot or not. And we know that like, if you legalize too soon, it's going to come back and haunt you. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm definitely really concerned with how we're choosing to determine what to do with this time. So you could get mad and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that we're actually um, not going to be able to have adult use. Or you can actually say this is the time to fix some of the dramatics that we're seeing within the medical market. Um, at the end of the day, the medical market is still the base for the adult use market. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma is going to be Oklahoma. Um, regardless, it still has a medical market, you know, and I definitely remember going to Oklahoma and helping the medical market happen. And, you know, now we're live um, and I'm looking at the results and seeing that, you know, at the end of the day, even if they don't have the adult use of legalization, they'll at least have their medical. So get your cards up, y'all. Absolutely. Well, um, speaking of prematurely opening your market, I know that we've been talking about maturity of markets and what we like to refer to as some, you know, uh, markets that have opened and have had time. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily always say that they're mature. I'm just being real. Like it is a very different thing. Um, you know, maturity has a lot of uh, different levels to it. So I'm very eager to jump into like what that actually is. Yes, girl, because I am tired of y'all birthing these premature ass babies, child. No shade. Nothing wrong with premature baby. No shade. But I'm just saying that with this cannabis premature market, y'all could have waited. Y'all could have had some more fluff. Y'all not that hungry. Y'all get enough income from other things that you don't need that much income from the cannabis stuff. Okay. Well, I, you're right. So, you know, to one, your analogy about the premature uh, birthing is it does feel accurate because that's not what any mother is. Somebody who's had a baby already, that's not what any mother wants to go through. You still love your child afterwards, but it is, it can be uh, painful and very like, uh, uh, difficult on all parties involved. And in some ways, having a premature cannabis market has been very painful and difficult, especially for the patients, but it is for all parties involved. Um, regulation, private sector, but the consumers really, really get the like shortest end of the stick, if you ask me. Yeah, because we always the last to know, but we have to be the first one to spend our coins. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no. 1,000%. <laughs> like, um, without us, we would have no market. 
I think that that is something that is so important to say that when we're talking about market, we're talking about supply and demand, right? So what's the market period, supply, demand, and all of the things within that ecosystem, including ancillary things, the way people perceive your market products, all of that is what we look at when we're analyzing a market. Um, and whether something is mature versus premature has a lot to do with all those parts too. You could have a mature market and that is long in the tooth, honey. It's been around for 10 years, but it is still immature as far as its products is concerned. Right. You know, Minnesota is long in the tooth, but Minnesota got just oil. And they barely got damn edibles. So, yes, I do agree. Yes. Like, okay, if you've been a medical market for 10 years, but you have only had oil, you've only had five operators, 10 operators, operators under 100, right? Because right. we know it's easy to regulate under 100 operators. If you've only had under 100 operators in your cannabis market, you are in a premature market. I don't care how many legalizations how long you've had it on the books right. or how many votes you have, you have to have more operators. You have to have more cultivators. You have to have more products. Yes, absolutely. And let's be honest that from a regulator's perspective, you ride it with the training wheels on because you do not have enough, um, licenses to understand the nuances of the diversity of business challenges that would come from multiple licenses. Um, sometimes I think it's funny when I'm talking to regulators out of states where my little city has 100 times more licenses than you have. So you don't understand the complexity of what, what, what challenges many types of businesses come up against. You only know what these big old well-funded businesses, but again, very little cannabis competency, very little product diversity, innovation. And so then you cannot be Again, the person at the table telling us that you are part of a mature market and therefore you're an expert. We're going to tell you to go have several seats. Several seats. I mean, it's funny you said it's like in, you rhyme with your training world. Yes. Because it is. It's like, okay, you, so you got that dusty flower. Oh, that's cute. Right. You know, but we've been cannabis consumers, you know. Right. So we are, when we're looking for cannabis markets, we don't want to just go into a dispensary that kind of just looks like where we already get our cannabis from. If I already get actual flower from my boy. I get good edibles from my boy. I get, I want the other stuff like a great concentrate or THC lube, like I said, or women products or THC skincare, right. full whole plant, like real THC. Like I'm saying 3000 milligrams <laughs> in a jar of THC that you could put on your skin. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I mean, I was shopping in Portland and, you know, I do that regularly, of course. And I went to buy a uh, topical and because of the milligrams, it sent me over my limit. I've never been over my limit ever in any market on THC and they have a THC limit in Oregon and they like it flagged me. So I couldn't get, I couldn't get a, a bath bomb and the topical. It was like, cannot commute, cannot compute, you know? Um, and it was because they were both 500 milligrams. One was probably, I think, 750 milligrams. Of course, you're going to use it over time, but also I'm not ingesting it. And so it's like, what's the science behind tracking that anyway? You right. know, it right. just doesn't make sense. And it, it makes like me think, oh my God, I'm actually in a premature market. We talk about Oregon as a mature market, but you know what? Oregonians can't talk about cannabis like they are mature cannabis consumers. And that tells me that we're in a premature market still. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
does. And there are a lot of 10 year anniversaries coming up yep. and there are going to be a lot, a lot of celebration. There's going to be huge celebrations, clapping your hands. Oh, 10 years later, 25 states, blah, 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 whatever. But it's like, well, if it's 25 states and they're really just carbon copies of my homeboy that I've been getting cannabis from literally for like the last 10 years too, then, you know, what am I celebrating? I don't even think that you're giving them more credit in some places. You say carbon copies. Minnesota didn't copy anybody. We're, <laughs> we're not sure where they got this other than from the very scared. Bill. Yeah, very scared um, legislators. It's like, we're going to do this, but we're going to give you like the most expensive limited options ever and say, uh, you're going to love it just like it is. So I don't know if I fully agree with you. I do think there are some markets that it's like, yeah, where's the testing? Is no testing required? Where's my consumer protection? In that regard, it does feel like just getting it from your homeboy because at least I know I ain't been sick over the last decade dealing with him. As opposed to, you know, maybe I might be getting moldy weed with this one. So I agree with you that there's that, but the legal market is supposed to offer so much more. Taxes indicate that as much, right? Um, let alone how much time people wait and the, the amount of uh, work to put a framework. It should be better. You're absolutely right. It should be much better than what we've been doing naturally without any um, help from the government. Right. Okay. So at what point, right, do we just want to be honest and say that we're in a premature market and maybe we shouldn't legalize yet? Or if we legalize, the rollout has to be particularly like this. I think it's important for us to start looking at slower roller uh, outs. If you ask me, I think we intend to put in statute a much faster because we think that people are going to run to the dispensary. Right. And we've seen time and time again that people do not run to the dispensary. I'm sorry you spent too many decades criminalizing it in such a harsh way. It's destroyed families. It's actually really hard for me to talk about it and not think about certain um People, I know that their whole lives, 20 years just down the drain and um, multiple generations at that. So we can't overcome that with just like, we made it legal, y'all. It's like, we're not cartoon characters and it's just like, okay, we overwhelmed. That's the reef of madness marketing of the new industry, if you ask me. Right. Um, it's about reconditioning and re-educating and having a new relationship with cannabis, one that has our actual history, multicultural history at that, right. and the fact that it's medicinal inherently. Right. And it is not something that we have to cope with, worry about in that way anymore. Right. And that is not going to happen overnight. So we right. won't be premature until the consumer market is not thinking like that. They may vote for it to be legalized, but they still have a premature thinking on campus. The only market that I'm willing to give props to is Arizona. Okay. Because one, they have had their, their, they have a long tooth nail or whatever you call it. Long in the tooth. <laughs> That's how you know how old they are. The longer the saber tooth, uh, or actually, I don't know, it might be a walrus. There are some animals that they have their teeth outside their mouth, <laughs> and the longer their teeth, that means the older they are. So that's what it's looking long in the tooth, honey. Means. <laughs> Child. So Arizona's had this market for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. They have a very, they have a very large product assortment. Um, they have it all over their state. Yep. So it's not just in their big city like Phoenix. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you go to the outskirts, you could figure out your cannabis 
um, procurement. Mm -hmm. And then they also just didn't vote yes to the first bill that came on their ballot. Like, you know what I mean? Like the first legislation that got passed in Arizona would have been terrible compared to where they're at right now. And of course it's not that great, right? Like right. nothing's gonna be perfect. It's like not really even a thing. But like, as far as just what a consumer looks like as a cannabis connoisseur, as a cannabis person that works within the cannabis industry, mm -hmm. they have done the things to create like a real market. So I would actually consider that not premature and more of a mature market. I absolutely agree with you then we shift the matrix to talk about equity and I still feel they're premature, right? Like, cause it's still not a lot of equity in their market, but I agree with you that they tried. What we saw in 2016, which is the first time the ballot initiative came up for Arizona was, um, you know, a shadow of what they have today and what they have today. Nobody ever thought Arizona would ever have. So I think that's also giving them credit, but it, when it was time to be implemented and rolled out, you got the regulation, you know, interfering. If implementation doesn't have the same intentionality, it often gets stalled. And so the advocates would say the same thing we said about Illinois, that, yeah, the market's looking good. It's continuing to grow. Um, medical, up until this last month, Arizona was reporting that the medical market was still growing um, while having the adult use market. No one other, no other states have really done that. Um, but yeah, advocates would say, yeah, but the social equity program was a sham and it got bought. And that's the problem we have with this industry is that it's still like people can go to the highest bidder and by people i mean government people sadly and um i mean any people go to the highest bidder because i feel like they be uh they do buy our black businesses want to you know honeypot them and mm -hmm. you know we go hard in the paint for ours, right? Like to get this big, to be this global, to still be able to produce and not necessarily have to go to a traditional brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. We go hard in the paint for that. But when we do go to that, we then have to get bought out of that. And now our shit look different, smell different. You know, everyone's confused. They're like, how you black owned, but you just got bought out by this right. and stuff like that. So actually most of our black, brown, businesses are set up to be bought out if you want to make that money. Yeah, it's called a, um, uh, a, a an actual wealth event. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, most times when you're building a consumer product brand, for sure, you're looking for an opportunity to be sold at much higher value than where you started. Um, you're, or you're looking for the opportunity to be expanded and you have to give away equity to do that usually. Um, and I definitely had a recent conversation about there is Expansion that just happens when people are willing to invest in capital market in general and they don't want to own it for their life. But for whatever reason, when black people do stuff, we are looking to invest, not to just get a quick return on an investment. We want to own it for life with that person. Or when people see black uh, owned industry businesses, they want to own it for life. It's really odd because it's not the normal. Listen, um, girl, when I get my little conditional licenses, one, I might have to sell it to the bidder. No, you might. Kidding. And I, that, the thing is, you have to stay out the gate what that is. Not every license that's to be had. That's why we can't use that as that's the equity wealth generating, you know, for generations uh, plan. That's not that's not a plan that for generational wealth. You're helping one particular person, one a particular flip. family. You making it's a flip. A flip. 
um, in some markets. And sometimes it's not. If you already have a brand, you might be able to be that 100-year brand later on. Maybe if you got together and consolidated, y'all are that group per se. But everybody ain't going to make it to the end of this movie. And so you've got to figure out when to make your exit appropriately. And hopefully it's something that is memorable so you can move on to your next uh, book job or your next movie deal. I feel like it's a lot of lack of strategy and understanding how to maneuver in the industry. But again, that's why I wrote the book, How to Succeed in the Cannabis Industry, because I do feel like we got to be a little bit more strategic as we're approaching it. Sometimes you are getting a license to build a long-standing family business. Got to pick the right market for that. And uh, I don't know that New Jersey is not it. it. New Jersey is not it. So No shade, Jersey, but y'all know why y'all get shade. But, you know, our market, before we go to off the premature thing, I did want to say you are right. None of our markets are mature because they're only 10 years old. And I don't know if you've ever been around a 10-year-old I have, but they're not very mature. <laughs> no, 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 no. And in business, that is still the same. Right. And some people just stop maturing at 13. And that's it. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, well, <laughs> They get older in age, but they still 13 in the brain. No, I totally understand that. Um, or, uh, well, hopefully we'll get better um, and we don't have these stalling of maturation. Um, but like you said, New Jersey is not the place where people want to like necessarily start your wealth generating business for your generations to come. Uh, not when you birth this premature baby because that is what New Jersey did unfortunately. Mm-hmm. They brought their adult use out way too fast. We get it. It's on the ballot. Yes, everybody wants legal weed. Duh. But that does not mean you have to then flip it and reverse into a whole new market when you had a market that could have just been better. Yes. Yes. The medical program definitely could have been better. Not could have been better and reports of it being trash while y'all trying to build y'all adult use, right? Because we are now seeing things from last year when it wasn't open yet, Mm -hmm. where people were just still medical patients. And it's like, what? Yeah. Was <laughs> so, you know, I know I'm not running to New Jersey cannabis dispensary. Y'all could keep that mold. You know what I'm oh. saying? So first we got to get into many things. Okay. But how I am getting this information, you guys, New Jersey has a open public record act that is responsible for sharing all these type of public record information in New Jersey, obviously, duh, but specifically to the Cannabis Regulatory Commission. And it comes from different things from January 2020 all the way through mid-April 2022. Now, remember, we told you that many MSOs got fined because they were selling over time mm-hmm. to adult use patients during medical hours only because that was something that was implemented to ensure the medical patients are cared for first. Right. Right. But they felt like, you know, they could make enough money that they didn't that five pay for itself. That's a whole different story. Um, but with this open record, public records now, it shows even more allegations. Mm. It also shows how they are investigating these cannabis businesses as well. Okay. Um, so first, just so you know, they kind of only thing they really do to like have like an investigator or inspector really is that they review cameras and videos like 
kind of casino style and they're just reviewing what you're watching you know some people for food they usually come in and look at you to inspect it but for this they're just looking at it on the camera mm-hmm. and so uh back in 2021 in march girl ascend inventory they whole got like 50 jars they only reporting six ounces but it feel like it may be 6D ounces <laughs> with reported missing um, and that, you know, it wasn't, in ref- it wasn't enforced. It wasn't figured out. Like nobody knew nothing up until this public record. Like nobody knew anything about Ascend's missing jars. So 50 jars. If it's on five the- jars. Uh, no, Nate. No, it is 50 jars. 50 right. jars. So 50 jars were went missing. They say it's only six ounces. What these 50 jars of eights? That's the only thing I can think of, or grams. I, whatever it is doesn't make sense. Um, uh, I, I would say I'm not surprised. And this is the fact of every market. We have to look under the hood. Um, some are more egregious than others. Nevada was straight corruption. And we're not seeing the regulators be a part of this, thank God. Um, but we are seeing that these people don't respect the the industry patients and they don't really respect the market for real for real even though they are now you know front and center good citizens of this equitable market we're growing in New Jersey adult use la 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 mm-hmm. they la, equitable la. your MSOs is equitable honey <laughs> they also is better weed than you know getting it from your boy on the street so they say so according <laughs> to more public record Curaleaf on 10 occasions was cited for violating security labeling and mold, honey. Yes, they had uh, like you basically have different uh, like different securities that are forced in the different parts of the business models and licenses. And Curaleaf, which is vertically integrated, was cited for not just cultivation, not just manufacturing, not just dispensing, like every single part was cited. Was cited. So that was crazy to me. Um, and I couldn't believe it. And then Zenleaf. Have you ever heard of Zenleaf before? I have never heard of Zenleaf. And so when you were, uh, we were talking through the notes of this, I was like, who is this company? Yeah, I never had heard of Zenleaf either. So I'm just thinking, oh, maybe it's just like a local thing to Jersey. But they were, um, it's under the Veneros people. Okay. So it's under that Illinois company. So Verano. Verano, yes. whatever. <laughs> um, sorry, y'all. Uh, y'all know I be messing up people names. But um, basically, they got cited more than 20 times. <laughs> um, and this is the company has a lot of backing in Illinois. Uh, they were on video camera, basically not accessing things right. They also, during the time when it was medical use only, were not checking patients as they were on the medical use registry, you know, allegedly only two times, but there is still some maturity around it. But even during 2021, when it was medical use only, but even now when they have special patient hours, they're, they're like, can't even tell how to determine if you're a medical patient or not as Zenly. Um, and then they also had in 2021 to destroy 127 pounds of cannabis. Wow. 
You want to know why? Okay, so basically, they said that the cannabis fell on the floor and they swept it up. And, and then put it on the shelf? Or was it tempted to? But they said it was it. contaminated. In quotes. Yeah. So it, what happened after? They destroyed it? It went where? They actually saw it burnt? Or do you think it went into the uh, unregulated market? I mean, the investigator ordered them to destroy 127 pounds because it fell on the floor and was swept up and is contaminated. Wow. Well, listen, I'm I'm definitely not surprised again because we've heard all of the craziness before markets open. What I think I'm trying to figure out is what they going to do about it. Now you know, and the report is out, how are y'all going to fix this? Because these are the same people, big old companies that also have access and are currently selling in the adult use market. Ciao. I don't know. Y'all know, if you don't know, now you know. Law and Order is one of my favorite <laughs> shows. Every one of them. I watch them all. Yeah, what in the dick wolf is going on here? <laughs> right. like, what in the dick wolf? You telling me that an investigator said, Oh, y'all dropped 120 pounds on the floor, contaminated. Throw that away. Are you serious? I, I don't know if I fully believe it, but I actually do believe it. I actually more alarmed that is it that they told them to do it because they really tried to put 120 something pounds on the shelves of dirty ass weed. Or, or or is it that there's a something else like sinister happening with that? So it's like how do you me, drop twenty? How do you drop one hundred and twenty pounds on the floor? How much square footage do you have to have? I mean, not a lot actually. And one hundred twenty pounds of weed is not actually a lot visibly in, right. in a sense, but it is to your point. Like, how did it wind up on the floor? And what room? Who it, dropped it, it? Who dropped it? It was it in a machine? Was it being uh, 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 trimmed in like an automated machine and it all fell. How does that happen? What's the mechanism? You're right. And every grow and every place I've been, my mental uh, ability to visualize it is difficult. So I agree with you. What in the dick wolf is like actually happening? Because I, I can't help but squint my eyes. Like maybe I'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh my god! It's been. <laughs> Oh and then God. that's the cultivation, but let's get into the dismissive girl. According to documents in this 80 pages, they said y'all tenders can't even count, child. Oh, they God. don't know fractions. They can't tell you a eighth from a 3.5 to a seven to a quarter, a half, child by. I'm like, they don't know fractions. They don't know how to divvy up your cannabis. So I don't know about y'all. Even with my personal guy, I be going to, I still, you know us, we be weighing the hell out our weed. <laughs> you like, I think we need a bit of scale. Well, because I do. It's, I mean, everybody is using cannabis in some way. And so when you have hemp flour, you have high THC flour, I like to wait also when I make it mixes. It's just like, it's part of the process. Right, so. right, right. You got to have multiple ounce scales. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, versus your multiple gram scale. So your a gram scale or yeah. a ounce scale. Right. You know, it's like levels to the scale shit. It is levels. And obviously, y'all tenders or whoever is 
packaging because I thought cannabis comes prepackaged in Florida. I mean, not Florida, in Jersey. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I thought it comes prepackaged in Jersey. Um, so that means that y'all not packaging the right grams. So what? Why? Why did I just pay forty extra dollars on this tax thing? Right? Like mm-hmm. on this tax product for you not to even know how to scale me right? Um, and you really gotta like you're stepping out on faith because you're not even getting it like in uh, Portland. I can watch people put it on a scale, and the same way you do when you're buying fruit and vegetables from a uh, market. Um, but if it's coming to me already prepackaged, it's like almost like my hair products, right? I can't right. open it in the store, and I can't really be certain that I'm getting the weight that it was supposed to be. And then by the time you leave the store, there's no guarantee even when you like finally get home and you're like, yo, this ain't an eighth, or this is not a quarter, or, this is not what I thought weight-wise, and I can prove it. How do they know you didn't smoke it? Right. Because right? once the seal is broken, the seal is broken. It, it is a little bit of a like, how do I trust the market that these are the mistakes? And the regulators know, but they still letting them go forward with an adult use. You can't be that thirsty. Well, I'll tell you how you know I ain't smoked the shit because it got mold on it. Because according to documents, okay, even now, they are struggling to not have mold on their cannabis, to not have it on their, uh, you know, to not have dry product, to not have poor quality flour. Mm-hmm. Specifically, flour is coming up to have molded. And this is not the first time. No, this it is isn't. not the second time. It's not the fifth time. And sometimes they are doing it after you purchase it. Yes, right? that's, that's my that's- biggest issue is like, these reports are coming out after the fact. So people have already gotten these off the shelf. People already done smoked it, done infused it somewhere. It is already the damage is done. And that's the part that I think is really problematic is that we are not ahead of the curve. So that's why I went back to what is New Jersey going to do now that you have this report? How are they going to prevent this harm from happening in the future? Well, the only thing right now they're doing is just finding them. They're feeling like fines are the only implementation they could do or telling them to destroy product or those are the two things, you know. I feel like there need to be some criminal charges, okay? Because when your statement comes out from New York as your base or Illinois as your base or Massachusetts as your base, but your New Jersey stores, your New Jersey cultivation, your New Jersey, all these other things, are coming out looking crazy, y'all not even on the same funnel. Yes, and that's, I mean, they're not supposed to be. That's the issue, right? Well, I'm sorry. If you are my headquarters, right, you need to come and get a statement from New Jersey headquarters on why New Jersey weed got molded in. You, every statement based out of not New Jersey is like, oh, we're trying to improve. This is our second retail store in New Jersey. We don't know what to do. We're trying hard. But you want to sell us on your little penny $2 inflated stock. No, I agree with you. There's a problem all around. I'm, I'm more so also... I guess really aggravated that we are still saying the same things over and over again that New Jersey did not necessarily learn from this. Um, and maybe also it's a good re- good thing that New York hasn't allowed their medical operators yet in the market. They're getting a lot of like, you know, uh, criticism about that. This is why the listed market is now just surging ahead. And I'm like, nah, it's, it's not been here. One, th- there has been an unregulated market for a long time. These other little extra things, that's because 
you are seeing the manifestation of people who are historically given access, feel like they're excluded from something. And now again, they're trying to push their way in through those, you know, different points. And that is usually the loophole in the law. But nonetheless, I feel like the time allows people to adjust and rushing in when you don't know whether or not, like the Office of Cannabis Management actually needs to evaluate the New York medical operators. And Karen Lee just had to pull off what, 60,000 uh, you know, pieces of uh, things from their shelves in New York already. So I think we have enough proof to show that the operators already existing usually still don't know what the F they are doing. And it isn't in the best interest to rush them through. It's actually in your best interest to take a deeper dive and see where they're having errors, make them corrected in the current market that they are in, and then make that a prerequisite to show and prove for transitioning to that adult use market. It's not just money, honey. It's competency too. Mm -hmm. New Jersey, y'all need to rush y'all cannabis market to the NICU because it is really sucking right now. I'm just saying, like, I don't want y'all moldy weed. I don't care how many influencers go to your dispensaries. I'm still not buying it. Yes. I don't want y'all nasty edible that, you know what? Homegirl could have probably made the better version if she had that Ardent uh, Nova or Ardent Mini now. Yeah. Ardent Mini. It's so exciting. Ardent Fix. She could have made that edible herself, honey. So, no, we don't want your little cupcakes and gummies and stuff. I mean, y'all not even coming with the good stuff, you know. I don't even think it's allowed in the New Jersey market at this point. No, well, their edibles aren't. Allowed right now. They're not allowed right no. now. So people really only buying their nasty flowers. Yes, child. Sorry. I mean, I feel like you look like the the girl trying to figure out which queen died. <laughs> yes, I believe New Jersey banned edibles initially. Um, it is not on their list of regulated products at the moment. Um, and again, we are always willing to come back and correct ourselves because we come back every single. Well, they week. make so much different regulations, do, like flip. And it's, we do have 50 states and a lot uh, in general of country, but like... Yeah, right now, I don't think there's edibles in the adult use market. I believe so, but more to come on that. We will definitely circle back with some people real really just buying all that for flowers? I mean, there's concentrates also. Edibles is different. Girl, you could make it, your own hash. Edibles concentrate, by the way, yes. but the way in which it is ingested is it's different. Dirt, yeah. You're still able to buy things you can use on a dab break. You're still able to buy vapes in the New Jersey market. So it's like they're making their vapes in the closet, yeah. Well, based on the mold and based on the way that they're talking about their supply chain mishaps and um, management of it, I actually think, I'm not sure. If if it's pre-manufactured, you worried about, do the company know what they're doing? And if you get in the flower and get in the stuff from uh, the dispenser you worried about, did you get the right amount? It is a bad experience all around. Did you get the right amount with no mold? Yeah, New Jersey. Because are they making concentrates with mold? Y'all need to release more than 80 pages. I still have 200 pages worth of questions (laughs) that need to be answered (laughs) about y'all this market, honey. Because you can't make moldy cannabis into a concentrate like that. You shouldn't, um, but that doesn't mean you could. I mean, you can. You could do anything if you wanted to, but I'm saying, like, when you, if I'm buying my flower, 
this is what's supposed to separate you for the person that makes the concentrates in the closet, honey. It's supposed to, but again, we've had enough experience that we know that we shouldn't be comparing the markets like that. Like the legal market is problematic. The legal market got mad drama. The legal market is not consumer protected. It's not protection for consumers. It is a farce. It's a marketing plan. It's supposed to be, um, but as long as the government does not know what they're doing and private sector continues to try to just cut corners so they can make money, the consumer is going to lose. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I am just like flabbergasted. I'm so <laughs> anti New Jersey's medical market right now. I mean, obviously, because I'm in New York and I think we're doing it right. So I'm a little biased. The medical but, or the adult use market? Because uh, you know New Jersey's medical market better than uh, New York's medical market. It uh, was. Well, now, no, they still have the arguments of the moldy weed thing, too. It's been yes, free. Yes, at least they had weed. I mean, New Jersey. I mean, been, you know, I don't know. You know, Imani sent, Imani sent me a little, sent me a little menu of some, some. And I mean, it wasn't, I mean. Now they was, have flour. I'm happy about yes. that. But I'm saying if you compare them, you well, say an adult use market. Though. I don't want none of the New Jersey market because <laughs> they've been having mold since 2020. You got mold 2020, 2021, 2022. You still got mold three years later? Yeah. Like what? Like I don't want no, I don't, homeboy, y'all, Y'all call me, but y'all market, y'all market need to keep to yourselves. No, I think there needs to be, again, more integration. We'll see what these new conditional licenses do to the market. Um, but also, I just throw the question back to the state, which is what y'all going to do about it and how do we prevent it from happening? Just telling it in a um, report doesn't necessarily prevent things from happening year over year to your point. Yeah, because so, you have mold three years in a row, you guys. Yes. You know, and it's like you don't have no consumer protection. You pay all these extra monies in taxes and you don't even get a refund. So um, with that being said, I mean, I definitely understand all the challenges that we can have. Um, but New Jersey has to do better. Um, and it's just an example is one of many examples of premature markets that are happening. And we're bearing the brunt of it. You're seeing the aftermath of it. And we probably need to do better. Um, but. That being said, we need to do better on our time management. We are now nearing a very long episode. Hopefully you are still with us. Thank you for staying with us. Um, and hopefully you will continue to follow us. Um, where can they find us? Girl, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to smoke. Like this is blue all my high. I just cannot believe. I'm sorry. I know I'm so stuck. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like, you only offer some concentrates. Like you jump from flour out of edibles into concentrates and they supposed to make it better? Yes, I'm but, sorry. I mean, we we had this on an episode uh, a long time ago, so I'm, they may I, have changed it. We do not know if that is the case. Y'all better tell me. Tell <laughs> so, me in the um, comments, y'all. DM so. us. Let me know, because <laughs> right now, I'm so anti them right now that I just realized, like, holy shit. Y'all paying all that money in taxes, don't get no refund. Y'all can follow me at Cannabis socialite maybe but you could definitely follow she underscore blaze on ig you can follow us on facebook and you could watch us anytime like sub subscribe and share our youtube at the we head okay we need as many of those youtube shares as possible and i am at nishita dawson on twitter and instagram you can also hear me every week on thursday on the flower to people segment on the louis daniel favor show sirius xm channel 126 urban view at any rate we are well over our time it is time to go i'm saying a bid you adieu i got so much work to do girl all right bye